Welcome to Galaxy Forum. I'm your host, Melissa Kaplan, and we're here to explore all that's happening in the LCC galaxy, in our classrooms and on campus, and connecting the work of our stars with our community. Our focus today is mental health is human health. It's a substantial and complex topic. It's been the focus of another Galaxy Forum episode on transgender mental health, and I expect to explore different aspects of mental health with a variety of guests in future episodes. Today, my guests are Louise Rabidou, a licensed professional counselor on staff with LCC's Counseling Services Department, who facilitates personal and educational development through counseling and advocacy. Louise and I have worked together on a series of virtual Mental Health is Human Health events at LCC, as well as the video program, Please Stay, A Call for Suicide and Depression Awareness. Welcome, Louise. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. And Charla Yingling, a clinical therapist with PAR Rehab in Lansing, where she provides psychotherapy services to ethnically diverse client populations of varying ages. It's not mental health related, but I do want to just mention that Charla and I worked together too, though it's been some decades in our previous professional lives when we were both involved in filmmaking and on some independent films, which was a wonderful time. But it's really great to connect on this subject. And thank you for being here, Charla. It's great to be here. Really appreciate it. As I said, this is this is a mammoth and complex subject, and I call it mental health is human health because it is an aspect of each of us as, as to me as a human being, it's as much a part of our health care as taking care of our teeth or our eyes or our bones or our muscles. It's all part and parcel of us as human beings. However, there's a lot of stigma always about that. And I'd kind of like to start just by getting your perspectives on, on do you see that changing? Why is that the case? And, and what do you think about the phrase mental health is, is human health? Louise, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, mental health is human health. You know, our, our brains, our emotions, how we behave, that all impacts every aspect of our overall well-being or if we're feeling unhealthy in those ways. You can't separate mental health and, and our physical health. You mentioned stigma. And, and while there is still stigma um, about having mental health disorders or being on medications that support our mental health, over the years, it is decreasing somewhat, or it's much more common to be talked about. Even having a program like this helps people talk about it, helps increase awareness, helps to break down the barriers and stigmas. Um, and so I think there has been a positive shift to reducing at least some stigma. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that um, there has been a positive shift in people talking about mental health. Um, and maybe it's because people who are, uh, I want to say popular or stars, or they're beginning to talk about it. And so people go, oh, well, if they're talking about it, I can also talk about it. I can also acknowledge it. I can also do something about it. And so in my work, I work with a lot of kids. And school districts are different, but in some school districts or maybe groups of kids, they're talking about it. I take this medication. Are you going down to the, the room to take your test in a quiet space? And so um, even young people are beginning to accept that mental health is an issue and how do we handle it? 
That's good to know. Yeah. Um, you mentioned in your work, Charlotte, tell us a little bit about PAR rehab. So right now, a lot of our therapists are working, are doing telehealth. A lot of us are still at home. We have a couple folks um, that are back in the office. We also do testing for, you know, dementia, ADHD, uh, school difficulties, learning disabilities, and things like that. And so we work with, uh, I would say, 10 years old and up through the lifespan. One of the therapies that we tend to use is CBT. We work with the whole family system, culturally diverse group of folks, as you mentioned in my bio. And then we have uh, an arm of PAR rehab called Cognitive Consultants, where we work with substance abuse, individuals dealing with that. That's pretty comprehensive. And and how many um, therapists are on staff with PAR rehab? At PAR, I would say about eight. About eight. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's, Mm -hmm. That's a big workload for eight folks. Yeah. 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 We do refer out, you know, because we do a lot of testing, a whole lot of testing. And so we can't manage all of that load. So we have some, uh, a person that manages those referrals for us. To other therapists. Yeah. Other therapists, there are places that we refer to. Yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. So Louise, uh, at LCC, we have an entire counseling services department. Mm -hmm. When I say entire, (laughs) I know that means, I think, three (laughs) counselors. Four now. We're very excited that we have, just two weeks ago, we have a new counselor on staff. So we now have four full-time counselors to provide um, support and counseling for our students. So we're really excited to add a fourth. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Yes. I mean, because it's a big, it's a big population. Yes. So what services does LCC counseling mm-hmm. provide? Yeah, so LCC provides free, confidential, short-term counseling for mm-hmm. students. And because we just have now the four counselors for all the students who are enrolled, it is designed to be short-term. What that means, though, is a bit flexible. So sometimes people come in for just one or two or three sessions or maybe come in um, in a little bit of a crisis and, and needing help kind of emotionally regulating. Other times people come in for regular weekly or biweekly uh, short-term therapy appointments, um, and we address any concerns that they might have. Uh, anxiety is probably our number one issue that our students bring, um, but depression, relationship concerns, uh, substance abuse, eating disorders, uh, general life stress, and and a big one for many of you know the college age student is. All those major life transitions, adjusting to living away from home or declaring a major or racial, gender, sexual identity challenges or finding your own place, separating, individuating from your family system and and who you are as a person as a young adult. And so those are some of the common issues that we see. And that's, I would say, just looking back some decades ago when I was a a college student, that uh, developing a sense of one's own identity and and struggle to do that, that separation, that's pretty common and pretty consistent, wouldn't you say, across generations. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, there's, from what I understand and what I read and hear, there's been a shift in mental health, and some people consider it 
a crisis at this point for teen and youth in terms of depression and suicide. There's a, I, I want to reference something that, a Fresh Air episode uh, that I heard recently, um, an interview with a New York Times reporter, uh, Matt Richtel, who had done a series for New York Times called The Inner Pandemic. And, you know, kind of the deep research on what he termed the crisis. And that this has really, one of the things that's that's changed besides the increasing, is increasing these numbers is that there have been in the past a lot of external factors that youth grapple with as you are dealing with your identity formation, like drinking and smoking, and that those had been kind of the large causes for some some issues, and that now there's more internalized uh, psychological issues, that that's been a change that he observed in, in research. And um, I'm wondering, do you see that in the, the people that, that you deal with? Is that, and what's your reaction when you hear the term crisis? Do you feel there, I guess that's the bigger question, do you feel there's a crisis? And if so, what is the crisis? Maybe we just have more information. Yeah. We have more numbers. Yeah. Um, whereas before we didn't. I feel like one of the things that's happening, you know, with young people or with kids is they're spending more time alone on their phones and the information that they're getting from that and how they're uh, framing themselves and how they see themselves in the world, their core beliefs. And um, they begin to build stories. They, you know, begin to... Um, think negatively of themselves for a variety of reasons. And, they're, and they are not bouncing that, those thoughts and those ideas off somebody else. And so it's building and building and building. And then you get to a place where you feel depressed or you, you know, are going further mm -hmm. than that. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the I think the the shift toward having the world at our fingertips mm -hmm. um, in our cell phones and our laptops um, all the time we're we're wearing our our digital connection we have it in bed with us mm -hmm. um people are increasingly isolated socially and younger generations are much less likely to drink but also less likely to drive to date to take classes face to face oh, what a great um, point. everyone yeah. is is you know or i should say everyone many people are much more isolated socially than we were a generation ago or even pre-pandemic because um, the pandemic really just exacerbated all of that social isolation and loneliness so the crisis in many ways is is a crisis of loneliness or disconnection, um, which I think contributes to depression and anxiety and and a lack of of coping skills. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, because that's it, it takes a while to learn coping skills. Mm -hmm. And another thing that was that was referenced in, in the interview on Fresh Air and then also in the the series was that what you said, Louise, in terms of the amount of information and the way that we get information at the same time that brains, youth brains are still being developed and still trying to manage how one exists in the world. But yet there's this great increase of information. And then you're also seeing parents and teachers and other people grappling with with that as well, even though they may have the means to handle it better psychologically, at least, you know. One, yeah. one would hope, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, um, the information that kids have access to before they didn't have access to this information. You would mm -hmm. say, no, I don't you don't I don't want you reading about that or learning about that. And some of it is just too much. It's inappropriate. It's, you know, it's overwhelming. Yes. Mm -hmm. We know that that's that can be part of anxiety. Right. And, and while it's a great 
means to connect and support, it can also be a means to be really critical and for people to feel bad about themselves too. So coping skills. One of the things we want to talk about today are different types of therapy. There are many different types of therapy, both the different types of therapy and then how how does one navigate the system in order to access that? Because I think that's what I've heard as part of the crisis too, that there's there's a greater need than there are providers. So where would you like to start with that? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge topic. Yes. I, I know, you know, when we think about navigating the system. That is complex, even for those of us who are mental health providers. You know, you have insurance, a lot of insurance and and things dictate access. Um, different populations have more access. There's cultural limitations on who's, who's um, feels comfortable accessing. For instance, our, our new counselor we just hired is a male. That's the first male counselor we've had in several years. So that impacts how willing certain populations are to uh, seek services. And so it, it's a really complex situation. Yeah. For students at LCC, is our counseling services department kind of a first step? Mm -hmm. So if you're an LCC student, you know, you're eligible for those free confidential counseling. And you mentioned different types of therapy. All of us are trauma-informed therapists. We're all allies, but we all are somewhat eclectic. And, and what that is, is, and you'll find that with most mental health therapists, um, have been exposed to or trained in a variety of modalities and have certain theories or modalities that seem to fit best with their personality or their skill level or their agency or whoever they're working with. And, and so really the most important thing is when you are trying to find a mental health professional is to find someone who you feel comfortable with, who you connect with, whether it's a specific type of therapy like cognitive behavioral therapy or DBT or um, rational emotive behavior therapy. The most important factor is often how you connect with that counselor and if you trust them, if you feel safe with them, if you feel seen and heard by them, that's really in many ways more important than the actual style of therapy. Yep, yep, it's that therapeutic alliance, because mm -hmm. if you're not going to do what your therapist says, guess what? You're not gonna, <laughs> likely not going to get better, not like likely going to try the different things that they offer. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I do want to mention that for immediate assistance, if anybody listening needs or knows somebody who needs immediate assistance, 988 is the number to call. It's a 24-hour crisis line for those in emotional distress. And linked to this podcast will have a whole array of resources for people to access as well. I absolutely agree that relationship, as with so many things, is, is going to help you be more successful. But as a starting point, and maybe it's not so much for people seeking therapy, but people seeking help for others, can we talk just a little bit about the different kinds? Because if I was somebody who knew nothing about therapy and I was looking at some different places with services, I'd see CBT and DBT and REBT and ISTDP and <laughs> all these acronyms. And they they mean, like you said, there's there's similarities, mm -hmm. but, but there's difference. You both mentioned CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Yeah. Um, 
Tell me about that. It's been around for a long time. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it, it really is what you think impacts what you feel impacts what you do. So that's kind of the foundation for it. And um, as you talked about physical health, you can't separate the two. They really, really go together. Um, how we're thinking about something is going to impact if I go out and talk to somebody, if I stay inside my room and think about whatever it is that I might be thinking about that's not appropriate. And with CBT, it really helps you to um, think about what you're thinking about, essentially. There, um, there's this list of terms called cognitive distortions, and that helps us to think, um, for example, if I had 10 things and one of them, one of them was negative, do I focus on all the things? Or do I just focus on that one negative thing? Mm. Am I able to balance? Mm -hmm. Or do I think that I have a lot of control over what, what is happening? Sometimes we feel like we impact a person's life in a way that we really don't have control over their life, so to speak. And so sometimes we feel more powerful than we are. Um, and so it's finding a balance and understanding what I do control and what I don't control. And so when you're working with CBT, you really help somebody to see um, realistically, is this a rational belief? Is this an irrational belief? So what about DBT, dialectical behavior therapy? I can't speak to it specifically. I'm not certified in okay. that, but I do know that DBT um, works really well, especially with people who um, may have certain uh, disorders like borderline personality disorder, um, having a lot of relationship challenges, a lot of times community mental health, and um, there's actually a DBT Institute in Mason. And a lot of people find it very helpful, especially for longer term kind of chronic challenges that people have. But I think there's there's a lot, there's so many different types of therapy. And, you know, CBT or kind of behavioral therapy has been around probably the longest or the most studies. Mm -hmm. And it works really well with anxiety. And, and since anxiety is so rampant, it's, it's often one of the most used. And sometimes clients or sometimes therapists will use different approaches depending on their client's needs. So depending on the, the concern that the client's bringing or even the, the style or strategy that the, the client is wanting. And so depending on the repertoire of skills that the therapist has, they may shift and use different types of skills with, with different clients or different situations. So therapists are, are I mean, you have to be multifaceted. There's always, you know, your licensing and, and, and degree initials. And Louise, you are a licensed professional mm -hmm. counselor. Mm -hmm. And Charla, you are a clinical so therapist. I have a master, master in social work. Master, master in, in social work. work. And you have a master in social work. Nope. No, I have a bachelor's in social work and a master's in counseling. Okay. And, and this is a, a, something we talk <laughs> to clients about all the time, especially as we may be referring them to mm -hmm. more longer-term treatment or specialized treatment, is what to look for and who to look for. And the reality is that there's a huge amount of overlap between clinical social workers, licensed professional counselors, marriage and family therapists, uh, uh, psychologists. And so 
they all have slightly different specialty areas um, at the master's or, or um, graduate level, but they all have huge amount of overlap in how they provide services. Um, but you want to make sure you're talking to someone who's licensed or um, certified in their particular field um, and that you feel comfortable with them and that you feel safe with them and they're ethical. <laughs> Those are probably the biggest challenges and not to get too bogged down into what credentials are after their name as long as they have the credentials. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me add a little bit about DBT. I'm not uh, licensed or trained in it either, but it's more supportive. Often you have... What does uh, that mean? One-on-one one -on -one therapist that works with you. You have somebody that is on call during a certain amount of time for you. There's also a group that works on your case. Ah. Uh, so there's more to it than just um, you know biweekly or every week meeting with your one therapist. I see. And then the techniques might be a little bit... Different yeah. It's as well. very involved, very, mm. very involved, yeah. Interesting. Well, how, how fortunate for the Lansing area that there is a dedicated institute. And I know there are, um, there are quite a few different agencies that, I mean, there's individual therapists and then there's, there's you know, through the like Michigan State University and then there's um, organizations like Therapy Today, mm -hmm. PAR Rehab mm -hmm. um, that have therapists staff on therapists with different different spe specialties. I mean, I don't know. Is there, do you, either of you feel like there's a shortage in our area? And, and I just want to quickly ask the opportunities for students who want to pursue mm -hmm. uh, this as a, a field of study and a profession. Mm -hmm. So those were two questions. Shortage in this area, opportunities for students. So I would say that I have to manage my caseload. Mm. I could meet with clients from 8 o'clock to probably 9 o'clock at night, but that's not good for my mental health. So I have, do have to manage my caseload. So, I, you know, I don't know. I know, I know that we do refer out. Um, I don't know that we really ever have a waiting list. Everybody's taken care of. So, I, I, and, you know, I don't, I don't know for okay. the area. Sure. I don't know if you have any thoughts. I would say that, that the greater Lansing area, but also, you know, in general, Michigan or the nation has a shortage in that the need is greater than the available services and also the available affordable services. Yes. And so there are agencies like Crystal Ray that provide some lower cost options. Um, sometimes master's level interns at certain agencies will see people for free or sliding scale. But many people, especially LCC students or people listening to the show, may not have insurance. And so their, their options are much more limited. And so that's an access concern. But it also depends on, on getting into, like if you were to call a private practice therapy agency, um, you know, hopefully you could get in within a couple weeks. But if you're looking at a specific therapist or a specialty area, it might be weeks. And what's even more difficult is to see a psychiatrist. And so to get a psychiatry intake appointment for a medication evaluation for psychotropic medications is very difficult. Um, it might be several weeks to months. Wow. Wow. And that, that's, you know, what, what I've read and, and researched that is part of what's considered the crisis is, is access. Um, and, you know, both in terms of, of availability of therapists and the cost 
and uh, it plays into so many factors of, of mental health. We have just a couple more minutes, and so I want to give you each a chance to, to share uh, anything that you might wish to on this subject that we haven't talked about yet, which is huge. <laughs> you mentioned about students. So there's yes. this process for students that are mm-hmm. interested in this work. And they, there's, you know, a certain amount of hours that you have to do for training. And then once you finish school, there's a certain thousands of hours that you have to do for training, not to get anybody to shy away. But <laughs> um, you're really trained by the time you get to the point of doing the therapy. So there is a process. And we'd love to have folks come in and do that work because we need more therapists, as you suggested. That's great. And I think LCC is a good place to start mm-hmm. um, with that because then you can transfer, take your associate's degree and, and transfer to get, you know, bachelor's, master's degree and, and do that, that kind of clinical work. Yeah, do those internships. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, for any any potential students listening, uh, definitely consider because you're needed. Yes, you're needed yeah. in this this area yes. for sure. Um, I think we're really fortunate to have what we do have here on campus with mm-hmm. our counseling services. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, one of the things that college supports is this uh, awareness of mental health, mm-hmm. and that that's part and parcel of who you are as a human being. So. Mm-hmm. Everybody, as we say, you belong here yeah. and all of you belongs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so. And I think LCC has really promoted a culture of care. And I think that's a way that that we care. We care about our students and there are services available. So if you are considering talking with someone, um, you know, making an appointment with a counselor, if you're an LCC student is a great step to explore that option. Um, There's no pressure. There's no commitment. Uh, You can have an intake appointment and and see how that fits for you. Um, And then see if that's something you want to continue to explore, any personal growth challenges. And it's really about caring and taking care of your whole well-being. Definitely. And we will have uh, links to those resources, uh, to PAR Rehab and to LCC's resources, as well as other resources in the notes for this episode of Galaxy Forum uh, that listeners can find at lccconnect.org. You may also connect with me or with our guests through that. We'll have their contact information. This is such an important and ongoing conversation, and so I want to thank both of you very much for being part of it and contributing your knowledge. Sharla Yingling, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And Louise Rabadou, thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in. LCCConnect.org is the place to go for other episodes of Galaxy Forum and for other programs on LCC Connect. Also, special thanks to our technical producer today, Dedalian Lowry, and to Andy Callis for composing our theme music. I'm Melissa Kaplan, and this is Galaxy Forum on LCC Connect. <laughs>